Hello, I'm Moses. I'm Carrie. And I'm Ryan. Welcome to a special episode of the Menocast, where we're going to debrief and dive into Mennonite Church Canada's nationwide gathering that took place in Edmonton, Alberta this past year. Thanks for joining us. Good to see you, Carrie and Ryan. Uh, we've see you taken, too. yeah, we, we've taken a bit of a break over the summer, um, and are excited to jump back into some new episodes coming this fall. We've got some great interviews lined up, and are excited to engage in a variety of different conversations. But we wanted to take uh, a bit of time to debrief after the um, Mennonite Church Canada gathering that took place in Edmonton uh, at the beginning, end of end of July, uh, early August. Um, and Carrie and Ryan, both of you were there. You got the first-hand experience, which uh, I was very sad about that I couldn't be there. Um, but I got to join online too. So I got the online experience. So all of us, we kind of took part in the assembly um, or we all took part in the gathering. Um, and we wanted to talk a bit about what happened there. You know, what are some of the things that stood out to us? Um, what are the things? some of the issues that our church is still working on and where, where do we think the church is going? So if you were at the gathering, then uh, I'm, I'm sure that this is all going to make sense to you. But if you weren't at the gathering and if you're kind of unfamiliar with Mennonite Church Canada and how this whole denomination works, wanted to give you just a little bit of background. And Carrie and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, this is at least how I understand it in Manitoba. Um, so the three of us, right, we're, we're all pastors in Mennonite churches, local Mennonite churches. I'm in Winnipeg, Ryan, you're in Lethbridge, Carrie is in Ottawa. Um, and we, all three of us, our churches belong, uh, or are part of regional churches. Um, for, for me, it's Mennonite Church, Manitoba, uh, for Ryan, Mennonite Church, Alberta, and for Carrie, Mennonite Church, Eastern Canada. And those regional churches do a lot of uh, work together. You know, our, our ministries that we share together um, includes things like, uh, what does it all include? <laughs> well, this is a good question, Moses, since the whole restructuring, what does it all include now? Yeah, I think it, it <laughs> no includes idea. everything. Like, well, you know, of course we, we have camping ministries um, and we do, you know, supporting the churches and uh, like the pastoral side of things. Um, resourcing, everything, education, kind of education uh, even witness, right? International witness really kind of is more housed in the in the regional uh, churches now. Um, but but each of these regional churches kind of functions as a bit of a mini denomination. Um, but then there are five regional churches all over Canada that are covenanted together as Mennonite Church Canada. And that's a little bit different from how it used to be. In 2016, we went through a pretty big restructuring um, that put more focus on the local congregation rather than on the nationwide church. Um, and everything now kind of flows from the local to the regional to the nationwide. And so this gathering that happened was a meeting of all the regional churches and delegates from different churches within the regional churches, all talking about stuff that we do together or stuff that we hold together. And these gatherings happen, I think now every two years. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't, I think the last one because of pandemic was, uh, a number of years ago. So this one now in Edmonton was like the, the you know, the first, um, 
the, the first one after pandemic and kind of being back in person and all of that. Mm-hmm. And at these gatherings, I mean, I don't know about you two, but you know, we've, there's worship, there's speakers, the, of course there's the business sessions, but for me, the, the, the most important part of it is just connecting with other people across the country, like connecting with other pastors or leaders and, you know, the going out for drinks after, you know, like those kinds of things are so valuable in terms of networking and stuff like that. I don't know for, for both of you, like, why did you go to the gathering? Like what did the church just send you? You got to go or <laughs> did you want to be there? <laughs> I wanted to be there. I was not chosen as a delegate by um, MCEC, but um, I asked my church if I could go and we have a tradition of sending the pastors to go to attend these things to kind of represent our congregation, but also bring back information. And I think our congregation understands the value that it has for a pastor. I kind of like look at people who don't want to go as kind of weirdos. I'm like, why didn't, why didn't, like as a pastor, I'm like other pastors, like why did you try not to go? Like, it's just such, it's inspiring to hear about like what other people are up to and to talk to people who truly understand what it's like to be in pastoral ministry in a Mennonite church. Mm. Um, There's people I see like only at these gatherings every few years, which includes the two of you. So I just, I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. I want to go. What about you, Ryan? Be about the same. I mean, I, I wasn't uh, a delegate either for, for Mennonite Church, Alberta, but uh, my church, same thing, uh, a long tradition of being very open to sending their pastor to these to these gatherings, even even back when they were annual events, and certainly now that they're biennial. Um, so yeah, very similar, and, and similar, similar kinds of expectations and hopes for coming. I think it's kind of a cliche, but the most valuable parts of these things for sure are the informal times for me. I mean, I got to meet Carrie for the first time in person, which was great. We had, <laughs> yeah. we, we had, we had, we had coffee one morning and I, I had dinners with other pastors that I didn't know very well and got to know them better. But you know, Ryan, to remind you, you and Carrie have been at the same conference and I talked to both of you, but you never talked to each other. So right. you met That's for the first true. time at gathering, but you have been in the same spaces before. Oh, yes. <laughs> You just that, didn't know it. That's such a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and you've been floating around Midnight Church Canada for as long as we have. Yeah, There's some people right. you just like will always see from across the room, but maybe, you know, the next one, the next one, you actually get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I find that um, the reminder that we are larger than just our local congregation is, is huge for me, right? Even when we go to... You know, our regional churches like Mennonite Church, Manitoba, we've got gatherings and conferences and all that throughout the year. And every time I go, I'm like, yeah, we, I, we're not alone in this. We're working together at a lot of stuff um, at the same time. And we're here to support each other. And we're kind of all going to the same goal. We're all kind of discerning together and working at what it means to be a Christian together. And then you go to the, the nationwide gatherings and it's just like the same thing but multiplied. And uh to me, it's it. I always leave energized and kind of, you know, yeah, reminded that we're not we're not alone in this. Um, and I really value the connections that we have. And Moses, you were online, so you got you didn't get to like do like the late night conversation oh, piece. Man. But <laughs> you're probably still excited. <laughs> but how did you how did you experience it online? You know that it was it was really well done. I I will say that like they use this 
platform that tried to connect people with each other and made everything easy to use. And so it was very easy to use. But I would say the same thing as in the pandemic. When it comes to Zoom, there's just this like there's this distance between what's happening in person. And most of the time I was, you know, rocking a baby or preparing supper, you know, something like that, where I just felt more disconnected, even though I could listen in on the content. Um, it didn't feel really like I was a part of it, but they did do these Zoom workshops too for online participants. So that was nice. So that there was at least one time where I could interact with you know a few different people. But then in that workshop, we split into groups, uh, into like breakout rooms on Zoom, uh, and I was put in a room with someone whose video and audio didn't work. So it's like, oh, this is my chance to talk to somebody. <laughs> Oh, and then no. it didn't work <laughs> oh dear uh. <laughs> but that's okay that's okay i i know that there will be another chance yeah. but the the theme for this year that um you know our, our church came up with was we declare what we've seen and heard um and we had a number of guest speakers uh, not only you know kind of plenary speakers but we had people sharing stories from churches um, actually, Ryan, you you were the the star of the show there. Ah, not really. <laughs> no, you're. I you had a little story there that you shared from your church, and I thought that was really good. I had no idea about uh, your church's connection with Larsh uh, until you until you shared that. That was that was cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hearing stories from different churches, and of course worship times, and then um, and then our speakers who were John Bupalin and Cheryl Bear and Cara Carter, who all kind of had uh, a session or two uh, with everyone there talking about different things. So we want to dive in a little bit into that, just kind of our impressions, uh, what we heard, you know, what we saw and heard at the gathering and what we are taking back to our churches. And of course, you know, there's lots of stuff in terms of the business side of things too, that, you know, things that we're still pondering or wrestling with that we want to touch on as well. Um, so maybe let's let's just kind of put it out there, like of the of the sessions uh, that you were able to take in, like of the speakers, either Kara or Cheryl or John, like what did you leave with? Like, did, did you leave with something to chew on? Did you leave with encouragement or uh, what was it? Well, I'll, I'll uh, at the risk of being the downer, um, I, I didn't leave with a ton of encouragement, actually. Um, I thought they all had good things to say that were worth, uh, obviously worth, worth hearing, but mm. the theme of the conference was we declare what we've seen and heard, and I, I didn't get a lot of, uh, like, what actually are we declaring as Mennonites, as followers of Jesus? There was, uh, like, like John encouraged us to move to the margins more and to find yeah. Jesus there, and, and that's a, always a welcome and desperately necessary message. Um, I would, I would have loved to hear Cheryl talk more about her identity as a, as a, as a Christian indigenous woman and, and about how she fits those two together specifically. But, um, there, there wasn't a ton there as far as how, how she's trying to na- navigate that, that identity. Um, uh, so it, it felt a bit like <laughs> my general impression of, of, of the sessions and even the whole conference was that it was a, really good when it came to social issues and and um what how we can lean into these things as Mennonites and then as Christians but but strangely a bit thin on Jesus hmm. um and that I'm not gonna lie that that worries me a bit um 
So there was lo lots of good things along the way, and, and, this, and each speaker had a, a really good message, but um, I, I didn't feel like it was always anchored super well in, in, in the gospel, if that makes sense. Hmm. I'm, open, I'm open to being you know, challenged on that for sure, but uh, that was my general impression of the, of the sessions. I mean, I mean, for me, the, it's important that we get the order right. Uh, like, it, I, I, ho I hope we never get to the stage where, where we're just saying, this is our position on all these issues, and then we use a bit of Jesus to support it instead of saying, this is the gospel, and this is how it informs all, how, how we interact with all of these things. Mm. I was going to say, I thought the speakers were really good in their own individual spaces. Like, they were engaging. They are easy to listen to. Like, honestly, after COVID, those worship sessions were pretty long. <laughs> My church is like, one hour, you're going to lose people. Uh, like Sunday morning, I was like, "Oh, and we're still going, and we're still, going. and it was good though. It was. It was so like two good hours, to... right, on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. It was, and on um, Friday morning at the Spiritual Leaders Day, we also did like a two-hour yeah. or more worship kind of contemplative thing, which I love. Like, I love worshiping. I love the like to sing in person again to explore some of those new songs in voices together that maybe an individual congregation like can't engage, but. Um, but yeah, so I found the speakers were easy to listen to and were really engaging and like enthusiastic. I mean, John was very enthusiastic and mm -hmm, yeah. a lot of people around my table were like, oh, I would take a class by him. Well, CMU's <laughs> done so well for themselves. Yeah. I would take a class by him. And I was like, thinking about it, I was like, I would take a class by him too. You know? Totally. Yeah, he's funny. So he, yeah. Yeah, he talked about bodies and the gospel mm -hmm, and how the gospel mm -hmm. is so much about the body. And I've never pondered that really. So, mm -hmm. and I thought Kara was good, like about her research um, and she had some really good quotes about like how we can, you know, meet God in that liminal space and wilderness, you know, in the church and leaders that were feeling lost and, and how that space can be used. Well, I mean, that's kind of an age old message, but it was good. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate her research. So I thought the leaders, uh, the speakers were great. I was a little confused about the theme. Like, I feel like I said to someone when I was there, I was like, oh, I didn't realize like the we declare theme was like gonna be about indigenous relations. Like I'm I'm so glad we've talked about indigenous relations so much this weekend. Mm. But I just like I didn't connect that. And they were like, oh no, I knew. Like now declare would is like indigenous. And I was like, what? I was super mm -hmm. lost. I was like, I didn't put that together. <laughs> well, and, so, I'm not, and, and frankly, I'm not sure it, it it belongs together that explicitly. I mean, it, it comes from First John one where and it, where it talks about we declare what we have seen and heard, and it's about God and in whom there is no light and the forgiveness of sins and all these kinds of things. And I was I was expecting to hear something about that, but we, we heard nothing mm. about that. We, we 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 heard, you know, a lot of declaration about about indigenous issues, which is welcome, of course. I mean. I got indigenous kids, and I'm all I'm all for talking about that in the church. But hmm. again, the order matters yeah. to me. Um, if if we're gonna say that this workshop is about declaring what we've seen and heard as Christians, we should talk about it as Christians and, and about what. You, and, we, and we did, of course. But um, it's it felt like we, got, we we kind of at times got the order a bit wrong for me. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't feel always like the speakers were like along the line of the theme. But yeah, I really sure. enjoyed them. I super enjoyed them and took away valuable things regardless. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. You know, I find that in our our Mennonite church world, which definitely seems to be less evangelical in certain parts of the country, um, it's almost like when we gather together, everything you're saying, Ryan, is 
<laughs> it's almost like it's implied mm -hmm. uh, or it's just this denomination is so steeped in, in its own history that people get bored of hearing that same message you know like if if all that was preached on was was john one or something yeah. like that right then then it's like well we already know this like let's get to how this actually applies or how it actually makes a difference in our life um and so you hear about all these different um yeah issues or ju justice issues that we're focusing on mm -hmm. and it seems like everything else is implied but maybe the implications that we have are different all across the country. It could um, be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what, what, what I see in my congregation and then what I read about in, in Canada and sociologically is that biblical illiteracy is pretty high. And so, and so I'd be surprised if everyone's coming, you know, with, with these, with these, you know, anchored in these historical, maybe 20 years ago, that was the case, but it doesn't seem like today that's the case at all. And so I would have expected a bit more, even if only in the first session to kind of ground where we're going uh, and why. Yeah. I did think that, so Kara uh, or Kara, is it Kara or Kara? I think it's Kara. Yes. Kara. Yeah. Okay. Kara's, <laughs> Kara's uh, message, you know, she was focusing on uh, her research in terms of like change, uh, churches going through change and um, how, what it means for us as the church, uh, and what questions we should be asking as the church. And, and I thought her message was quite missional uh, mm -hmm. at its core. And she was really pushing us as the church to ask missional questions. Um, and and kind of, sorry, I came away from that session almost feeling like you can't be the church and not be missional. Um, that, that's kind of that just the feeling that I got from her and and she was pushing us in what are the different ways that we are actually reaching out and, and what are some of the stumbling blocks for us to be a missional church uh, I don't know if you kind of felt that sense but to me that you know seemed very evangelical in, in the sense mm -hmm. that she was encouraging us that we need to be reaching out we need to be opening up the doors we need to become uncomfortable and um, mm -hmm. And ask the question of, or ask God-focused questions rather than church-focused questions, mm -hmm. um, and, and figuring out where God is moving among us, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that was the direction she was going. I mean, I I think sometimes myself and my church don't like the word, some of us don't like the word missional because it feels so close to missions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that feels so close to, yeah, like straight up evangelizing, like the brochure and like give your mm -hmm. life to Christ right now and mm -hmm. not the daily works and, and the inner work and, and that stuff. Um, I liked what she said. I like that she's saying, uh, you know, we need to reach out and be uncomfortable. Sometimes I struggle with that kind of message because it needs to be done in such a balanced space where mm -hmm. sometimes I think, our grandparents' way of doing church and our parents' way of do doing church maybe was where you were always giving of yourself and always reaching out. And and then it lacked the caring of the people who are already in the community. Like sometimes mm -hmm. we ask so much of our volunteers, I feel like, about doing our outreach work and this and that, that then we forget to care for them, that maybe not mm -hmm. asking them to do as much, not overextending our church and programming and missions and outreach would mean we're better caring for the people who are already here. Mm -hmm. right. And so that's something I really struggle with when we talk about like outreach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it need, we never we don't often talk about doing it in a balanced way yeah. that cares for the people we're reaching out to and cares for the people we're asking to do the outreach. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's also in in the Mennonite Church. We we have to be honest. It's kind of tinged in this this kind of institutional anxiety about how we're, you know, many churches are struggling. Many churches are getting older. Um, the denomination, you know, the very fact that we had a restructuring is, I mean, it, it was in response to some pretty obvious pressures, uh, financially mm-hmm. and otherwise. And so when when the whole institution is 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 has this cloud hovering over it, like we're we're dying. We have to get more relevant. We have to get more people. We have to. So that that affects how we interpret words like missional, right? Is this an instrumental thing? Are we going out? Is this like a church growth strategy? Is it a mm. how long can we keep the doors open strategy, or is it because we're actually moving out in love for our neighbors and for God? Um, you know, it's it can be tough to, to to figure out where one starts and the other begins. Um, That's something I walked away from the conference with was this sense that there were a lot of churches out there that were, you know, kind of in their stage of death, mm-hmm. that were, we're not really? thinking about how to rejuvenate, but we're thinking about how to die well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yeah. left me like, yeah, with a bit of an eerie feeling, you know, flying back to Ottawa where we are lucky to be at a stage in our church life where we still are intergenerational mm-hmm. and we still are gathering new people. Um, but that's not the case. And like, and I feel like I got some of that from, um, what's the head of Midnight Church Canada's name? Tim? Doug Clausen. Doug Clausen. I got that from a little bit of Doug Clausen's sermon too. Like the church mm-hmm. is getting smaller and, mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, Doug comes out of Alberta a few years ago and he spent most of his career here before that in Calgary. And, and, uh, and Midnight Church Alberta would probably be the, the most precariously positioned regional church uh-huh. in Canada. Um, that's the he, sense I got from being there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have MCEC, which is massive and reasonably healthy. Um, and yeah. you have MCA, which is, you know, we, we, we've lost churches over the last uh, decade mm. that I've been here, at least four. Um, and we're Not small because they were closing, but because of different issues? Yeah. 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 And, um, and there's only 12 of us left, I think. And so, uh, you know, we're really small. And the restructuring was, you know, met with a lot of anxiety here in Alberta um, because... Yeah. Well, we don't need to go through all the restructuring issues again, but but just just the idea that missional, and 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 even declaring, I mean, if you don't want to word, use the word evangelism, um, it, we kind of have to ask ourselves the question: Is this a is this a church growth strategy? Or is this trying to keep doors open for a while? Or are we doing it for the right reasons? Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, I'm curious for you, since um, you know the the whole the whole theme of we declare didn't quite resonate with what you were seeing and hearing there. If they did invite you as a, as a guest speaker, a plenary speaker, like just in like, you know, your one minute sermon, what would you have said? Well, I actually devoted three sermons in my church before I left to, to what I would say. So, Oh, really? Um, oh, perfect. Yeah. Sort You're of, ready. S- sort of. Not, not, not really. I just said, here, here's some of what I hope to hear. Um, mm. And, and I, I mean, I mean, for me, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the stage of life I'm at and, and where my church is at. And you know, I, I I got back from holidays recently, and I got two funerals waiting for me. And um, yeah. for me, the existential component of the gospel has to be reemphasized. Um, social issues are su- are super important, and we have to lean into them as a church and, and for profoundly gospel-centered reasons. But um, the people I encounter in ministry are many of them are desperate for forgiveness. Many of them are crippled mm. by shame. Many of them are 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 um, floundering for meaning and for reason um, in their lives. 
And if, uh, if, if the gospel is just do better for Jesus, do better on indigenous issues, do better about gender and sexuality, do better for, for climate change, if it's just do, do more and better for Jesus, that's not good news. That's, that's another weight. That's another burden on burdened people. And so, mm. again, the order matters for me. It, it has to start with the, the good news that you are loved and, and, and for, your, sin, your sins are forgiven and that, you are, that, that, that God in Christ has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. It has to start there. And, and mm-hmm. flow downward from there. Mm. So that's my that's what I would have said. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In two minutes. <laughs> that was like thirty seconds. You could keep going. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll just say one more thing about uh, one of the things I, that was interesting for me at least was was I was in a workshop where we were talking about Anglican and Mennonite dialogue, and and ecumenical <laughs> ecumenical conversations and inter and intra faith conversations and. It was really good. We talked about all the things that we've done with, with, with Anglicans and even beyond. And our church has done refugee sponsorship. We've partnered with Anglican churches, and we're, it's all great. But right at the end, I, th- I think it was, it was Gerald Gerbrandt from CMU. He asked the question, and he said, how come we in the Mennonite church are, are, are happy to work with our, our higher church brethren, brothers and sisters, but we, we, we kind of turn our noses up at, at our brothers and sisters from a more conservative perspective or, or, or background? Oh. like." And, and it kind of just sat there for a while. And, you know, because theoretically we have as much in common or more with EMCs or MBs or whatever. But most of the Mennonite churches, were, we would, we'd rather work with United Church, Catholics, Anglicans. And, and he said, is this a function of our increasing wealth and education? Is it because our politics matter more than our religion? Hmm. And that was right at the end of the workshop. And I'm like, oh, we got to talk about this. And then it just kind of, oh, coffee time. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, wow. You know, I, I don't know how you experience the uh, kind of the broader Mennonite church, but from my experience here, as in, you know, someone who wasn't born and raised in the Mennonite world, um, I get the sense that Mennonite Church Canada is is kind of looked at by the other denomination, other Mennonite denominations as being kind of out there, you know, very loose. liberal. Yeah, very yep. loose, very liberal, and often don't want anything to do with us. That could be well, true. Yeah, you know, yeah. which maybe is why some of us have kind of found those other churches that do actually want to do things together, and are which, more which open to that. This would have been a great question, something for you to say in that workshop, Moses. But we didn't have time, obviously. But it would have been a good response, <laughs> and it would have been something we need to hear. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Mennonite Central Committee is a place where a lot yeah. of the Mennonite denominations find themselves mm-hmm. um, working on projects together. But that in itself has not not had its schisms and and rubbings i can't think of the name friction i mean it it has friction right like i know my yeah my central committee often has to deal with that what do they do with Mm -hmm. more conservative donors if they want to move in a more progressive direction Mm -hmm. um yeah but i went to a workshop um on calling Ooh, Mm -hmm. i I wish i remembered the right uh, name to call but yeah something about calling calling um leaders like pastors church leaders it was really interesting but it continued to like enforce this like idea like kind of the feeling i got from midnight church alberta um and i think michael paul from winnipeg was leading it just this the shortage of pastors that there are and i Mm -hmm. guess i didn't fully realize like what kind of shortage we are facing and what kind of shortage we're facing long term until he put some numbers up on the screen and i can't remember if those numbers were midnight church canada specific or more just like canadian um, but it was kind of like, ooh, like, yeah, like we need to figure something out here. Um, mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it's scary because if churches 
aren't already dying, if we don't have people to lead them, they're going to die quicker. Hmm. You know, it doesn't need to be paid leadership, but I mean, there is something to be said when a church can afford paid leadership. There is a certain amount of time and dedication and skill that that person can bring that, you know, a lay leader can't always bring. Um, And so, yeah, talking a lot about how do we in our churches and our denomination in our country, like raise up people into roles of ministry that might be gifted for it and, and how some congregations are really good at that. And they see that as part of their work that they call young people to that. And it really got me thinking, cause that's not something my church does. We call young people to leadership and we try to find them a spot in the congregation where they can serve, you know, outside their youth group. But we're not thinking about like, okay, hey, is there any future pastors up in this sanctuary yeah. today? How can we enable them and help them find their calling? I think mm-hmm. that's a big question for the, the nation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all kind of assume that there's this there's this new batch of, of pastors coming out of the seminary that will just pick one yeah. when they come out. But that isn't the case, actually. Seminaries are, are not graduating nearly as many. Not many yeah. people are, not as many are wanting to pursue it. It's, it's, it's... Well, and when I look at some of our schools, like I came out of CMU, um, and I felt like they had an appropriate program for me to then move into ministry. But um, sometimes it feels like some of those schools are focusing more on their other programs. They're trying to build mm. just different programs to attract students yeah. for the, like for their own life cycle so they can stay alive. Yeah. But then it makes me really sad when I see some of those places that one of their foundational things was theology and, and yeah. training pastors to be pastors. And, and now they're trying to put mm-hmm. their resources and time into other yeah. Yeah, programs. It's sad. I think yeah. that's going to be part of the issue. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the seminary that I'm at right now, uh, their, their biggest, um, department, biggest group is counseling like, mm. uh, and Christian counseling. And th- yeah. that makes up, I think about 70 to 80% wow. of the seminary and only, uh, you know, the small is, is the rest. Um, and it's hard to, to have as many, uh, faculty and all that devoted to just 20% of, yeah. you know, the institution, which is, yeah. But yeah, that's too, even, you know, CMU and other, other schools like that, you know, they're branching out into all kinds of different things. Um, I don't know. What did you leave the workshop with? Was, was it just gloom or? Was... Yeah, a little bit. I yeah. mean, I think it, I left a sense with like, we need to think more intentionally about this more thoughtfully about this Mm -hmm. and i was kind of thinking you know how do we utilize our camps and our our christian Mm -hmm. midnight high schools like i think those are huge places for faith growth of those young people and if that's where they're meeting god um like you know hopefully they're meeting god on wednesday night at my church but it's only two hours Mm -hmm. you know it's not a lot it's not a lot Mm -hmm. for me to get them excited about god anyways like how can we utilize those spaces how can we work together as an ecosystem Mm -hmm. to to raise up these young leaders the only way the schools and the camps are going to be able to work with us if we're all rooted in the gospel and yeah. we're not afraid to talk about God and we're not afraid to talk about Jesus and how that impacts us and how that's our faith and not yeah. just stay on social justice issues. Well, I, I think it's a symptom of a, of, a, of a much broader cultural trend where we have a culture that was in many ways formed by some Christian institutions for better or often for ill. Um, and as as that recedes in the rearview mirror, we're, the, the ethic of Christianity largely remains in, 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 in how our institutions, like the, the whole um, 
care for the vulnerable, the, 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 the prioritizing of the weak, um, the, the, the dignity of each human life, these things that, that came out of Christianity, our culture has a historical memory of them and it's giving us enough to go on for a while, mm-hmm. but, but that memory won't last forever. And, and, mm. and, and it's the same in the church. If, if like the whole MCC ethical vibe, I know so many people who, who want nothing to do with the church, but they still love MCC and they yeah. give to MCC. Oh, yeah. Because they, um, MCC has kind of become their de facto church because mm. it's, the, it's the placeholder for their, for their morals and for their ethics and for their values. But the church is too judgmental, it's too exclusive, it's too much God talk, and, and, and we, we forget that the God talk kind of, it, was, it, was, it, was, it preceded the, the, mm. the ethic in, in many ways. And that's not to say it was perfect, and, and that, by no means. But um, I wonder how long we can coast along on historical fumes. Mm. Uh, without without re-anchoring ourselves in the in the you know the kind of the, again the more existential core convictions of the church historically what what is what is going on there right be- behind these shifts and these moves toward maybe being moral being ethical justice oriented without having Christ at the center um because that is you know, I think also a big reason why people are walking away from our local churches, right? Not only organizations and in terms of like forming leaders and that kind of thing, but, you know, people who kind of just say, I'm, I'm done with church. I, I still think it's important to welcome refugees and I still think it's important to care for climate and to be welcome and accepting, but I don't want to be part of a worship service i don't want to be involved in a church community um do you think there's a, a deeper underlying issue that um really are the problem is <laughs> the problem is a, a faith issue um or uh, a, a nurturing of faith issue or distraction from faith issue you know like uh, kind of what's going on and then and then have we become to too afraid or too timid to actually declare things. Yeah. I think people are afraid to declare things, to declare <laughs> that they're a Christian, to declare that they're a pastor, they're part of a church. Like, And I mm. think some of that fear of like people, you know, there's so many good people in this world who believe in social justice but, but don't have a faith. But it does make me fear about like what kind of flimsy foundation is under mm. those beliefs of social justice or doing refugee work or this, like, I feel you need something to root you, whether it's our Christianity or a different faith. Like, if you're just like, I want to do good because I'm good, da, 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 I, I fear mm. that you're too easily distracted then, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Or the next thing comes up, the next trend or the next fad or the, and then, you know, everything changes again. Performative yeah. social justice, right, is already an issue in our world. Like totally. someone wants to put Black Lives Matter on their Instagram, but have they donated to an organization? Mm-hmm. Have they done mm. their own work uh, reading and research and understanding racism and anti-racism? Like mm-hmm. you can wear the T-shirt, but mm-hmm. are you doing it? Yeah. Hmm. Well, and, that, and, and that's, the, that's the ugly truth of our moment is that anthropology has kind of replaced theology, I think, in, 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 mm-hmm. many, in many circles where... And it's the oldest. It's the oldest thing in the book, right? At the, at the beginning, you can you can be like God. That's that's the that's the Genesis three. But um, I think there's some good reasons for why people have lost interest. I mean, the, the history of colonialism is is an ugly stain in the church, and um, mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of. I, I get why some people back away from from some of the 
you know, I don't want to be associated with, with, a, with a church that kind of bludgeoned people with the gospel. I don't want to, everyone, mm-hmm. oh man, I, I can't go hardly go a week without hearing a, a horror story about some funeral someone was at where someone took this as their mm-hmm. moment to, to beat someone over the head with, with the good news, in, in quotes yeah. there. Um, but uh, in, my, in my experience, the pendulum swings really hard. So I, I don't want to be associated with any of that ugly stuff that all those evangelicals still talk about. Or, or however I interpret that, but I, yeah. it swings so hard the other way where we'll, it seems like at times the Mennonite church wants to talk about anything but the God stuff um, hmm. and, and, and thus distance ourselves from the parts of our history and the parts of the broader Christian history that we quite rightly don't, don't agree with. Um, hmm. So it's not always an easy line to walk, but I think we're called to try and walk it. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I'm curious because in, in Alberta, there are a number of um, either newcomer congregations or, you know, I don't know what the term is, cultural congregation who worship in different languages, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed because they were involved in some aspects of the gathering, like sharing some music or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think the same dynamic is at work there when, when we have congregations that aren't like rooted in this centuries long, you know, heritage of Mennoniteism? Um, but are more interested in the Jesus that these Mennonites, you know, have been declaring forever without the cultural component. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. I mean, I think that uh, a lot of the, like in Edmonton, there's a bunch of, uh, there's, there's some African speaking, uh, there's an Ethiopian church, a So-Sudanese church. um, and, and, And these congregations tend to, you know, be more unapologetic in their, in their witness for you know verbally declaring what they believe about Jesus. Um, in fact, I just got a newsletter today from uh, some friends of mine that are that are at the seminary, the Mennonite seminary in Ethiopia, and uh, there was a pastor at the church over there, and and they they, they told the my my friends from Alberta here. Um, I'm just going to read it, actually. I have it right in front of me. He's yeah. from the Mezarite Christos Church, and he invited my, my friend uh, for coffee, and he told him this. You in the West have so much to offer, education, healthcare, doctors, nurses, teachers, financial resources, and we are grateful for this. But we also have something to offer to you. Our gift to you is our testimony. And it's hard won. And it is simply this. God is good. God is real. God is able. God can be fully trusted. Pray over everything. Dare to exercise your faith. Bring that message to your people. Wow. So that was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting to read that. I thought that, that could have been one of the plenaries right there in Edmonton, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's, there's definitely a more, uh, yeah, the history isn't the same, obviously. And I, and, I, and I think it's easy just to look over the fence and say, oh, they have it way better. They understand over there. Well, their mm-hmm. history isn't our history, and we have baggage that we have to work through. And we have, um, it's not for no reason that we are where we are. But I do mm-hmm. think that we have to try to recover uh, some of this vibrancy, this spiritual vibrancy that, that we see in the, in the places in the world where the church is exploding. I appreciate all the things we're saying here, and maybe there's more conversation to be had about this whole theme um, and and what it is that we as a church declare and what we've seen and heard um, that kind of goes back to the, the root and the core of our faith, which really is the thing that unites us together, even more than um, the social justice stuff, right? Like, Because, I, I mean, it, it's good and important to talk about all these things, and yet in our different areas... Um, you know, in different areas around the country, in our different churches, we're tackling these things differently. Um, and 
you know, I, I, I want to get to talking about one of the things that came up in the business session, which was a big change in, um, in the Mennonite church. And I, I wonder if part of the reason all this happened is because, you know, our, our different areas and our different churches handle justice issues differently and how we should respond as a church. Um, but a few months ago, Steve Heinrichs, who was the Indigenous Relations, Settler Indigenous Relations Coordinator for Mennonite Church Canada, uh, was let go. And it came as a shock to a lot of people uh, in the Mennonite Church because Steve had um, served the church for a long time and, and so well in terms of building connections uh, in the Mennonite Church with Indigenous peoples all around Canada. Um, and really pushing us to do some of this activism work and, and focusing on social justice. And I mean, also know that not everybody or not every church or not every region experienced Steve the same way. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, he ruffled some feathers because he did things outside of his Mennonite church work um, that got him in trouble like not only with with uh, not only with the churches but like really literally got him in trouble with the law because he uh, protested and he um, you know conducted acts of civil disobedience um, especially around pipeline issues and the Wet'suwet'en territory and things going on there um, and yeah you know all of that is public and all of it was reflected back on the Mennonite church um, and so when, when he was let go, you know, the narrative very much from, um, from the Mennonite church was, it was a, bud, a budget issue, right? Like we just couldn't fit it in the budget. And ever since he was let go, there's been questions and, and just wonderings about like, is that really what happened? Is that really what was going on? Um, and I think mainly because people were unhappy with that decision. So from from the from the conference, like you both who were there and the conversations people were having around the tables and all that, how did that go? And, you know, was it a, as big of as of an issue as it was and is in my mind? I think it was. I think I heard talk about it at the conference. I've heard talk about it at my church. And, and keep in mind that our church in Ottawa Mennonite often feels quite isolated and is a bit unaware of what conference and Midnight Church Canada would be doing or how they operate. But that was something my congregation recognized and knew was Steve Heinrichs does our indigenous work, has been let go. What the heck? We're not happy with this. Um, I mean, in one of our sessions with Cheryl Bear, um, who spoke, she called Midnight Church Canada out on it and was like, you have like asked me to come here and speak about, you know, kind of our relationships with Christians and indigenous reconciliation and yet you have gotten rid of the person you had on staff who was doing indigenous work so like that moment was like hmm. exciting and uncomfortable <laughs> it was kind of like whoa here we go um and and you know you really i really did feel for the leadership who like kind of had to take that publicly but they did reiterate in the delegate session they're still saying that it was a budget issue and they did elaborate a tiny bit. Ryan can add, like they said that with continued allegations of misconduct coming out against church leadership, that they really needed someone to spend more time on that. And so half of that indigenous position got moved to a leadership development, 
which perhaps speaks to the pastor shortage and the misconducts that are needing mm. to be investigated and figured out and congregations are needing to be aided in that. Um, mm-hmm. And what I didn't realize being at the conference, maybe other people would be on the same uh, wavelength as me is that I didn't know they had actually hired someone into a halftime position already to do that work. Like I think mm-hmm. Allegra Friesen oh. is doing yeah, that as an interim. Yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Allegra Friesen Epp is doing that work only in a part-time position and sounds like as an intern, but that was something out of the story that I, I didn't know. Hmm. That would reflect my assessment of how the, how it was discussed there as well. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of, uh, there's some anger, certainly some confusion, um, especially because it doesn't seem like, I mean, the money has just kind of been reallocated. It hasn't been cut, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not, if you want to frame it as, I mean, you can still frame it as a budget issue, I suppose. And, but um, it definitely does seem to be a deprioritizing of it. And um, whatever, whatever anybody thinks of Steve's specific approach in this or that situation, he was, a, he was a placeholder and a very respected one for um, the prioritization of, of, of our relationship with our indigenous neighbors at a national, nationwide sorry, level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't exist in the same way anymore, and it doesn't, uh, which is which is which is sad because I think e- even having that the position again, whatever you think about his approach, he he definitely ruffled some feathers in Alberta. I'm not going to lie because of, uh, you know we kind of have this 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 sense here that everyone wants to beat up on Alberta because we have pipelines here, and, and Steve <laughs> certainly, uh, yeah, he wasn't shy about his thoughts there, mm-hmm. uh, but. I love Steve. He was he, he's he's a he's a he's a friend from way back, and uh, you know he's. I, I was really sorry to hear the news, and um, I worry that it's going to put more downward pressure on already already beleaguered regional churches and local churches. If we're just going to yeah. offload what, what Steve did, again speaking in in a, in a context of a, of a of a pretty fragile regional church, it's not at all hard for me to imagine it just won't get picked up. Um, yeah. Mm. And it's certainly local churches are not don't have the capacity to, to pick up all these things that keep trickling down from what the nationwide church used to do. Hmm. Yeah. So that's that's hmm. what's my concern there for sure. And, and I think we saw the same thing with International Witness. You yep. know, there was this big idea that when we did the restructuring and all the International Witness work and connections and networking, that's all going to happen on the local congregation level and the regional church level now, and still. It's it's struggling hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like this idea that oh, we're going to create these mission uh, witness support networks, and they're the ones that are going to carry the work, and they're going to provide half the funding for all our international witness workers and that kind of thing. It hasn't it hasn't worked out the way we thought it would or hoped it would, and just offloading all of that, getting rid of all the people who had all the connections on the nationwide level, um, we lost something huge. And and I think Mm -hmm. some of those relationships are being rebuilt, but we're not even close to a point yet where, you know, we have kind of taken on that vision that the local congregations are going to carry this. So, yeah, like you're saying, Ryan, I I wonder what's going to happen now. You know, is is the same thing going to happen with Indigenous settler relations? And, um, yeah, are we just we've we've lost something again? Yeah. but I, I will say, too, that from from the perspective of, you know, an organization who has hired people within our church to do the work of the church, my concern is always like, are we are we treating our people well? 
mm-hmm. you know, I worked for Mennonite Church Canada and left to start pastoring months before the big cuts came in 2016. And I saw all these, how all these people were treated. And, you know, it's a, of course, it's a really hard situation to be in if you're part of the board or if you're the one having to do the letting go. Um, but still, you know, I, I think people were so hurt um, because they didn't feel like they were t- treated uh, with dignity or respect or as if they were part of the church family. They were kind of mm. treated pretty coldly. Um, so, and, you know, and this, this whole thing with Steve, I, I just wonder if, um, if maybe, if maybe if there was another way and the whole budget thing, right? Steve did do a lot of work in terms of climate action um, and now we've created a 0.5 Indigenous Relations position and a 0.5 Climate Action position, which is, you know, like, did we not think that Steve could do those things together? Or, you know, those kinds of questions, right? It just doesn't add up for me to make it be like, oh, yeah, it was just a simple budget decision. Um, and, and it just makes me wonder if, if, it was, if, if it was easier to let him go. Uh, yeah. And if that would have solved some of the other issues that maybe we were having uh, mm-hmm. amongst the churches, I don't know. But that, of course, that's speculation. And all we hear is that, yeah, it's a budget issue. And we hope that now all the regional churches and local churches are going to pick mm-hmm. up that work. And if we don't, then what Cheryl Bear said really is going to mm-hmm. come true, that we did take a huge mm-hmm. step back. Well, and I don't know. I sometimes I'm hesitant to speak into things that like I just don't know the inner workings of because I know sometimes when people at churches do that it's really frustrating as a pastor to be Mm. like there's all these things but I can't really share them with you because they're (laughs) confidential but like we did make an informed decision you know it's tough but then we also need to be able to hold our midnight organizations accountable they need to do human resources well they need to do those things well and it I feel like we have many stories where they have not Mm-hmm. Um, but my thinking is like, should we have seen this coming with the decentralization of the church to the regional churches with the loss of our witness workers, which it was unrealistic, I think, to put that on local congregations. Um, yeah. the local congregation is so busy being a local congregation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have time to do the national work in such a big scale. We can chip away at it. We can join forces. We can help out. But to think that like churches were going to take on a witness worker and kind of be responsible for their wages mm-hmm. and and funding yep. and then to kind of be stuck with that like to kind of feel like once you took on a witness worker like you i don't know how the ins and outs of it so i'm speaking yeah. a little bit uninformed but you know that sense of like oh all of a sudden we're responsible for these people's like livelihood mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. while we're already responsible for our pastor's livelihood is a little bit mm-hmm. it's a lot that yeah. that mm-hmm. decentralization just didn't work overly well and i think we knew it wasn't going to be smooth Mm -hmm. yeah but should we have expected also that that position would disappear too along with everything else because it was kind of one of the few things that was kept right everyone was excited about that that we Mm -hmm. have but we've kept steve right we've kept that that position yeah and Mm -hmm. and i i think we could have if that was you know joint council or whoever's kind of intention that eventually this is going to be the way it goes then we should have seen it coming and Steve should have, should have seen it coming. Um, but, you know, in the article in Canadian Mennonite and stuff like that, you can, you can tell that this was definitely a surprise mm-hmm. um, and that this really kind of halted a lot of the work that was already going on. But, 
but yeah, I, I guess, you know, <laughs> I guess time will tell. And, um, this is one of those situations where you, man, you just got to trust the institution <laughs> that they did the right thing or something like that. Trust the institutions. <laughs> Sounds inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I say that, I have yeah. to say that, that, you know, I think in, in, in our church and in our culture more broadly over the last decade that I've observed or even longer, there's been kind of a devaluing of institutions. People don't support mm-hmm. them the way they once did. They don't, they don't, they don't trust them the way they once did. And I think a lot of what I, you know, I, I'm increasingly developing a bit of nostalgia for institutions mm-hmm. <laughs> because, because they are for better or worse, they are holders of things we can't hold for ourselves. And, and yeah. our conversation here has proved it. I mean, we, we, and our experience as pastors of local churches is proving it. I, at least mine is. Where, um, you know, we we can't just pick up all these things that were once held by the larger body. It's not happening, mm-hmm. and it's unrealistic to think it will. Um, yeah. Whether it's education, whether it's stuff like MCC, whether it's the a, a nationwide st- structural church. I mean, we need good, healthy institutions to help us flourish as churches, as, as Christians, as human beings. I mean, mm-hmm. you could, you could, you could, you could spend that argument out even further into the suspicion of institutions and the culture more broadly. Um, at some point there's going to be a reckoning when we, when we burn it all to the ground and there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was part of what I heard too, with the whole restructuring that we're going to chop it all down until there's basically nothing left. And the hope was that there would be new life that grows from it. And nobody mm-hmm. knew what that's going to be. And I still think we don't quite know. Um, but maybe, maybe it's that, that no the... one has time to water it, though. <laughs> like, you have to water it. Otherwise, yeah, you just get true. weeds, right? You that's might true. get something good, but you also that's might just get metaphor. a ton of weeds. That's pretty. Yeah, that's a good metaphor. And uh, maybe that was part of the intention that now at this gathering, we were going to declare what we've seen and heard in terms of that new life. Um, mm. And it seems to me like maybe we need more time and more work at this. Mm-hmm. What, okay, I I, I want to ask, though, like, one of the things that I always find inspiring at the gatherings is the worship together. Like, how oh, is yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I, I felt that online, too. Like, even, you know, yeah. not getting the full sense of everyone worshiping together, it was, it sounded pretty good. Well, we've had Anna Lee on this podcast, right? And she, yeah. Yep. And she was a very gifted um, worship leader. The, the music mm-hmm. I, I thought was was incredible. Um, we don't usually have that much instrumentation, not surprisingly, here on a Sunday morning in our little church here. And uh, <laughs> yeah. the song selection, the the breadth of of, of different styles, the, the instrumentation, it was. I, I thought it was just that was a, a, easily a highlight for me. Mm. And it was the first time that we, as a national church, have had the Voices Together hymnal together. Right. Right, wow, like in the past, we've been singing experts from excerpts, whatever excerpts, from yeah. it. Yeah, we've been um, singing pieces from it that had been pre-released. But this time, you know, like we've had it in our congregation. Some of us, we've had it in our hands, and then to come together and yeah. they did such a great job of picking such a wide range of music mm. from that work, and it was great. Yeah. Can Can I just say that there was one song, and it was after a scripture reading, I believe, um, when. Um, I think they read Luke 15. Um, and then the song that they sang was God Lights a Lamp. Mm-hmm. I don't know if oh, that yeah. stood out to you. That was, um, uh, that hit me in, in such a way. I, I think one, because of how beautifully it was tied to the text of yeah. the woman losing her coin, but mm-hmm. also that they 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 used um, feminine pronouns for God 
-hmm. it's still connected to the text of a a woman you know losing her coin but it was it was such a beautiful song and then later i found out that it was written by our own mennonite people right and like anna lee did the music for it and oh really all of that Mm -hmm. yeah and so i anyways that that was a really cool moment i think yeah Um, yeah and did either of you have the chance to participate in the in this together worship service? Yeah, I did a prayer in it. Mm, okay, <laughs> I, I was yeah. curious about that because I don't think we had any chance to join it online. No, they were trying to be sensitive to uh, let people who are there in person to participate in it more freely. Yeah. Um, without judgment of maybe someone seeing them or their church seeing them. Um, That's not my experience, but apparently that is the experience of some. So I think there is going to be a recording of it released at some point that will only show Mm. the people who led it. Um, But it was a great turnout. It was like very, very meaningful. Um, I mean, it was very exciting to have an LGBTQ-centered kind of worship service held as an official event of Minute Church Canada. Like that is a movement that has been hard fought, I think. yeah, I don't need to get too much into it, but I think there was a time when there was a group who had to meet off-site at right. Midnight Church Canada gatherings. And mm-hmm. to be fully welcomed officially and to have that worship service, I think, was really powerful for many. And um, when it ended, everyone just kind of sat there and I think just mm-hmm. wanted to still still be in that space, still wished it had gone on longer. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, some of the reasons why I wish that I was there in person to participate in some of those things that mm-hmm. online online just doesn't do it justice for so much of that. Yeah. Um, and Mo- what, Moses, mm-hmm. I met your colleague. Oh, yeah, Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, I, I did too, actually. I think I was in a... Yeah. At the... At the at the what was the thing called on Friday for the pastors? The oh spiritual the, that one, yeah. Leaders she Day. Was, she was in one of my discussion groups there. Oh yeah, she she said that, and she was like, "You won't believe who I saw. I saw these two celebrities." <laughs> she did not <laughs> these, say the, that. Pod, no, she didn't say celebrities, but she was excited to meet you guys. <laughs> I was excited to meet her. I told her I was like, whenever I see a young woman yeah. at like a spiritual leaders gathering who's like also a pastor, I like I need to meet them. I like see mm-hmm. them from across the room, and I'm like, I'm gonna find you later. Because yeah. um, yeah. we need to stick together, but yeah. um, I did have a few people come up to me at the conference and be like, "Are you Carrie from the Menocast?" No way! Really? Yeah, That's cool. and I I had to laugh. I was like, "Oh my word! Yes, I guess." Like people listen to it. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, that's great. Next next step is selling advertising. That's yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> Get that swag out and all that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as we wrap up here in this discussion, I mean, I think I think. Uh, um, all of us, even though there are things that, you know, maybe we wished happened differently or things that we could have addressed more, we're happy to participate in this. And it, I hope it was a good trip for, for both of you. Um, a- any kind of last words in terms of where you think, you know, the next, until we gather again in this way, like maybe something that you hope our nationwide church would do um, or a direction that you think we need to go or any kind of thing that you're kind of reflecting on. I personally hope that we would at least make, be making some steps towards that quote that I shared from the, from the, the pastor in Ethiopia, where we actually mm-hmm. are, are, are not ashamed to say that we, that God is good, that God is able, that God is real, that, mm-hmm. that God is the reason for our ethic. Um, and that we have some joy 
Mennonites can be a bit of a grim, joyless bunch at times. <laughs> and, and so that we, uh, to recover some kind of a robust... I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It does exist in here and there, in, in pockets for sure, throughout Mennonite Church Canada. Yeah, I, I hope. I mean, as much as we can, can nitpick um, the assembly in, in a few small ways... You know, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be together. I'm so grateful for the people who put hours and time and years of preparation into that kind of thing. It's not easy to gather that many people in one space and to find something that feeds everyone and that is cohesive. You know, that's really tough. Yep. Mm. I hope that, you know, something that Glenn Guyton encouraged us on on Friday was kind of like, you know, not every church needs to do everything. You don't mm. need to be like calling young pastors and doing refugee work and running a community garden and this and excel at youth ministry. Um, it's awesome if you can do that. But I think a mm. lot of the churches in Midnight Church can right now, we are a bit smaller um, and we need to find our niche. Where are we gifted? Where do we have the energy? And so I hope in the meantime, churches really live into that and figure out what is their calling as a church, not to do everything, but to find the few things they're going to do really well and really put in the sweat equity and then how that can make us a beautiful regional church and then how we can then come together as the national um, church mm-hmm. or nationwide. Should we not be saying national? <laughs> I, th- All these I, new I, think terms. I, I think officially it's verboten, but I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, the it's nationwide na- church. Nationwide, not national. It's regional, not area. It's gathering, not assembly. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 It's, a whole, new, gotcha. it's a whole new vocabulary. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I think that the next time that uh, we gather, one thing I would just love to see is in our um, in our worship and in our uh, discernment and decision making that we are a bit more reflective of who Mennonite Church Canada actually is. Uh, it was great to see, you know, some videos of our, um, you know, non-English speaking congregations. Uh, but what would it look like if, you know, it was just more integrated and, and maybe that's just me. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I, I love the Mennonite heritage too. Like, I, I think it's, it's wonderful and fascinating and interesting. Um, but there's, there's so much more color and, and, and diversity within our church that I wish is, would be reflected more, um, when we gather together. And, and I know it's hard to do that integration work, but we're in this together. And, and so to be able to kind of live that out and, and not only in gatherings, I mean, in everyday life together as local churches and, and that kind of thing too. Um, I, I'd love to see that. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks for doing this conversation. Like it's great to hear from two people that were there. Um, and mm-hmm. as, uh, as non delegates, you didn't have that responsibility, but you were just kind of taking in everything. So, um, it, it's good to hear your perspectives and I, I appreciate that and look forward to having some more guests on in the coming months as we talk about different things too. Right on. Good chatting with you both again. Thank you for listening to the Menocast. You can find us at themenocast.com. Listen to episodes on our website or subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like what you heard and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Menocast. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions. You can contact us through our website or at themenocast at gmail.com. We would also like to thank Common Word for partnering with us to give away awesome resources and our advisory group for guiding us along the way. 
Lastly, I want to thank my co-hosts, Carrie Lane and Ryan Duick, for another great conversation. I'm Moses Falco. Until next time.